0: Welcome to another audio podcast from Christchurchchristiancentre.org. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. It says, Solomon's Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine, pleasing, Is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. Dark am I, yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? If you do not know most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are dove's. How handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars. Our rafters are furs. Amen. Yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, just for a moment in conversation in passing, uh, we were talking about how preachers start their sermons. And <clears throat> we acknowledge that some start with a joke. Uh, I often start by praying. I'd like to do that this morning. So let's pray. Lord, as we come before you and before your word this morning, we want you to speak to us. We want you to touch our lives. We acknowledge, Lord, that oftentimes you've touched our lives. We acknowledge that you brought us to know you. You washed our sin away. We acknowledge, Lord, you've given us the gift of your Spirit. And we acknowledge so many good things in our lives that you've done and brought us through. But this morning, Father, before you, honestly, we want you to speak to us from your precious word. And so we ask you, open our hearts, talk to us. And Lord, as you do so, would you put something deep inside that will really, really, really help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the Song of Solomon is a really lovely eight-chapter little book in, roughly in the middle of the Bible, and uh, it's been interpreted in all sorts of ways. <clears throat> um, whatever else it is, it's expressive of how God loves us and how we love him. And you'll see pictures of Jesus in here, and you'll see instruction to, you'll get tips about how to have a good marriage and so on. You'll see. This morning, I just want to bring a simple thought from verse 6. And I think this thought is a, it's like a, a, a seed that will grow on us. I should, I should talk about it a few more times from different angles, but I think it's prophetic. And I think if if we take it on board, it will change things. It will help us so much. The thought is the very last part of verse 6, where she says, my own vineyard I have neglected. Don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. I've been out in the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, and my own vineyard I've neglected. I had to put something... Else first. And this thought, this little thought here, as it kind of encourages us, it will be, I saw it kind of like the beginning of a fire. I don't know if you've started many fires in your life. I've started lots of fires in my life. Uh, Most of them controlled and uh, proper. Um, But when you start a fire, you need some dry tinder. You need something that's dry and you need something that will burn fairly easily just to get the thing going. And, so, and you need to build it right so that the air gets in. And as you do, you can then put more on and the fire will grow. And I saw this as, as the beginning of a bit of fire. as like tinder. And this thought, as it takes a hold of us, I believe God going to use it <coughs> to uh, do some things that will really help us. So, I asked the question, how do we come at this? And how can we look at this that will really help us? So I'm going to ask us a question. Why do Christians struggle? Why do Christians struggle? One of the main reasons is because um, we don't always put first things first. Now, that's not necessarily our fault. There are lots of pressures on us, aren't there? Life is full of pressure. Um, Some of you are retired, but some of you have to go out to work. Uh, that's pressure. Uh, you, have to, you have to keep the house where you live clean and tidy. You have to go shopping to get what you need to eat. You have to make some time to prepare food. There's pressure. And then at the end of the day, or towards the end of the day, you're probably feeling tired, and that's a pressure. So you want to sit down and relax. And, and then there's, there are pressures that are, that, are, that are out there from things like... Um, Current topical activities. Um, That word strictly is in my head again. Has anybody seen what happened last night? No one's going to admit it? Yeah? Anyone? You didn't? Fantastic. I think it's a load of rubbish, but then. Do you, John? So we'll never waltz together then, John. (laughs) But there are precious people say, Did you see what happened? And you think, Well, I didn't see what happened. Perhaps I should. And so, and there are pressures on us. and they're not, It's not always our fault. So why do Christians struggle? Well, sometimes they don't put first things first. And the first thing is that he's in love with you. We heard that this morning in prophecy. Fantastic. God sees you. He sees Jesus in you. That's how he looks at us. I, God sees me as completely pure. I know my life's not perfect, but he sees me washed in the blood of Jesus. He sees you as his children. I love my girls. I love my sons-in-law, and I love my granddaughters. God loves us as his, ch- his children. He's my dad. He's your dad. He really loves us. And we sometimes don't put first things first. In this book here, in uh, chapter 1, verse 7, <clears throat> the, the beloved is saying, tell me where, where you graze your flock, and where you rest your sheep at noon. Tell me. I want to get there. I want to meet up with you. In chapter 2, verse 3, the beloved says, Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He's taken me to the banquet hall. His banner over me is love. He loves us. And we can get kind of, got to do it, got to do it, got to, got to perform, got to, got to serve, got to serve. He loves us. He really loves you. He loves us with his life's blood. He loves us with the gift of the Spirit. He loves us with the gift of eternal life. He loves us with his daily presence in our lives. He loves us. We've all heard of the uh, family that's broken down because the dad, or maybe these days sometimes the mum, has put so many hours in working, that they haven't realized or recognized that the family is falling apart. And, uh, you know, when when the crunch comes, he says, or she says, well, I did this for you. I spent all those hours for you to be able to buy you what you needed or what I thought would be good for you, the holiday in the Maldives or Disney World or whatever, you know, you like. I, I did this for you. and The husband or the wife becomes wounded because their love's not being appreciated. But actually... What they wanted, what the family wanted, what the wife wanted, or the husband wanted was, I wanted you actually to just be there with me. And the kids, they wanted to be tucked in. And for Christians, they wanted you to pray with them. You know, my dad um, very rarely was home at bedtime, very rarely. But when dad came up to tuck me in, it was marvelous. It's what we wanted and god wants he loves us and he wants us to be loving him where lord lord where where <coughs> do you rest your sheep at midday where 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 will i find you so he wants us to love him and i said well it's not you know we don't always deliberately mess it up it's not always hard because we've deliberately done things there are tremendous pressures what does it say in verses it says, don't stare at me because i'm dark because i'm darkened by the sun my mother's sons were angry with me and they made me take care of the vineyard now i don't want to strain the context too widely but we have an enemy who will push you around if he possibly can so that you neglect your own vineyard you neglect the you and him the you and god the you and jesus not because you're being bad but because there's so many precious And that's one of the reasons why Christians have a struggle. Because they're pushed around and they neglect the thing that really, really, really matters. If you want to start a fire, you've got to have some dry tinder. If you want to start a fire, you've got to have a bit of a flame. If you you don't want to struggle, you've got to have it going on. You've got to have something going on with Jesus. He's got to be there in your day. He's got to. He is, but you've got to make room for him too. You have to put it together. If you want to build a building and put the foundations down, you've got to clear the site. You've got to make preparations. If you want to bake a cake, you've got to get all the ingredients. You put the oven on, get the, whatever you're going to bake it in greased ready, then you get the ingredients. You've got to have it all together if you don't want to struggle. If you don't want to struggle. And we can just not be putting first things first, or we can be misdirecting our efforts. I'm going to say something that's a bit radical, perhaps. You know, this must pray more. Must pray more. There's nothing wrong with praying, but actually praying is about being with him. Praying is about talking and hearing from him. Praying is about coming to the one who loves us. It's not actually a a job to do so much. as a part of a relationship. You could say that about reading the Bible.